but I say attached to every skin is a person with needs and wants. You actually have to delve deeper into what sort of client this person wants. What's their budget? What are their commitment levels? Do they want downtime? Do they want discomfort? Welcome everyone to Skin Connections, the podcast. I am your host, Gay Wardle. In Skin Connection, I interview some of the most amazing thought leaders, influencers, and educators in our industry. And I talk to them about everything skin and science. Today, my guest is someone I have admired for many years. James is a dermal therapist, a businessman, and a mentor. In 2004, a facial literally changed his life, inspiring him to swap a career in music for one in dermal therapies. Determined to share the feel-good effects of amazing skincare, James launched The Travelling Peelsman. Arriving at homes and offices in a mini and armed with his bag of tricks, James quickly earned a loyal following and as client numbers grew, the travelling peelsman stopped travelling and set up a clinic in Melbourne's eastern suburbs, joined by a carefully selected team of experienced therapists. Dubbed a skincare luminary, James's dedication, care and innate understanding of the links between skin, mind, body and environment flow through his clinics, making each visit an experience that goes far beyond skincare. Welcome, James. Thanks, Gay. What a divine introduction. Appreciate it. I'm blushing. Ah, look, I'm so excited to get to chat with you. Like I said, I have seriously admired you from afar for such a long time and um, watched your journey. And, you know, I knew of you when you were doing your travelling Peelsman um, through Melbourne. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was just, I think I was studying when you were doing that. And it was just, you know, incredible to hear all about this man and who is this travelling fields man and, you know, and it was you and what an amazing, amazing way to start your career. But before we talk about your your career in dermals, can I just ask you, you were in the music, you were going down the music um, career pathway. Yeah, I was. And it's interesting, Gay, because when I think about my sort of besties when I was at um, university studying music, uh, four out of the five of us are now in some form of science. So there really must be a link between music or creativity and, and, and science. Some went into sort of, you know, um, uh, music therapy, went into veterinary science. Um, one is actually a science teacher at high school. So, yeah, so I, um, you know, it was all I ever wanted to do music growing up, but it was, it was really um, all I enjoyed when I grew up as well. You know, I wasn't particularly studious. I wasn't overly popular. Uh, Music really was quite a safe place for me um, and a happy place for me growing up. So uh, when I was going through my VCE, deciding what I would do when I graduated, um, you know, music seemed like the only option. So it wasn't necessarily, I wasn't necessarily following um, a strong desire to be a musician, but I was just kind of progressing through you know, 
my 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 joy for music and then it wasn't until you know as you said before you know I had that facial by Maria Vovos on my first shift at Aesop that I was like oh this is what I'm supposed to be doing it was it was a you know one of those light bulb moments well, you know, doing what you're doing is still very creative because I think in our industry to be incredibly good at what we do, we have to be creative. We've got to really understand the skin. We've got to really understand what we're working with as far as actives and equipment and whatever. But we also need to be able to create and bring everything together. And I think we're still in that creative mode. Do you agree with that? Oh, 100%. You know, I, I, I am creative in sort of everything that I try to do, be it be it auditory through, you know, the music we play at work or through um, visual aesthetics, the way that we decorate our clinics, the way even, you know, I was talking with um, Marie from InSkin the other day about how it's even the way that we talk to our clients. You know, I, I, I say that every consultation is, is like a performance. You know, there's such an element of theatre. You have to impress your client. You have to do the dance. You have to sing the song. And, you know, you have to, you have to communicate in this way that makes them say I want that treatment I'm at the right place you know there's definitely there's this theater to it so I I completely agree with you and we spoke the other day for for ABIC you know I've also sort of reconnected with my love for music over the lockdown where I've been um, through the voice of Tina Toner, uh, who's become my alter ego. So she's rewriting very popular songs, um, changing the lyrics to be about skin. So I'm not writing these songs, but it's really fun singing these songs and giving them a new life and making them all about skin for anyone that really wants to listen. Oh, that's amazing. Maybe we can have a big charity stage or something where we've got Tina Toner up there singing about <laughs> skin and singing about you know what she actually does incredible sure, well, you know she's 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 very booked up gay so you know you'll have to you have to get in there early I'll get I'll put you in touch with her manager <laughs> <laughs> I've actually seen her performance and I'm very impressed with her <laughs> I'll let her know <laughs> so I just want to start, you know, talking about your um, clinics. You've owned clinics or mm-hmm. multiple clinics. Can you um, just give us an insight into the advantages or if any disadvantages of having more than one clinic? Um, so as you mentioned, you know, I started off as a travelling peelsman. I didn't have... Um, uh, a physical premises so I was going from home to home with my little bag of tricks as you said and and doing the treatments and that was wonderful that was a great way as you said to build a clientele I was limited though somewhat with the amount of people I could see during the day because there was so much travel time and I was also limited with what I could do to the skin because I didn't have um, any uh, machinery beyond the peels which as we know, are fabulous, but can only take the skin so far. So when it came to um, wanting to offer my clients um, a larger repertoire of of treatments, I established a clinic. And then, you know, again, the the need arose for me to have a secondary premises. And this was in Sydney, um, because I had quite a lot of clients up there that I was traveling up there every six weeks for via the traveling peelsman to service them. So I, I guess I had a quite a good 
um, clientele up in Sydney, but I definitely underestimated what it was going to be like to have a second premises in another state. Um, it was actually the most stressful period of, of my life. And it was stressful from the moment it started. You know, I, a, a friend of mine, we drove all the furniture from Melbourne to Sydney. We hired a truck. I don't know how to drive a truck. Ricky didn't know how to drive a truck. When we got there, it was storming. We, it was up this like very, very steep um, stairwell that we had to get all the things up. Like it was just, it was a disaster from the moment it started. I couldn't find staff up there. And this, and look, I, this was my personal experience, you know, in Melbourne, we are a team of uh, bachelor qualified dermal therapists. Um, and we have uh, the degree from Victoria University. But in New South Wales, there isn't that degree there. So I was really, really struggling with trying to find staff that shared the same level of, of, of education and understanding of the skin that we had in Victoria. So I was trying to teach therapists from Victoria in New South Wales about how we do treatments. I was flying up there. It wasn't sinking in. And I, and I realised, even though I had invested, you know, like anybody would in in a, in a premises, you know, making it look and making it feel good and signing a lease and all of those sorts of things. I, I eventually had to shut it down because even though my clients were generally pretty happy, I just felt that there was a disconnect between the level of service that we were offering in Melbourne and the level of service that we were offering in, in New South Wales. So I actually had to shut it down. And that was, you know, a hard decision to make. You know, it was, I had to, you know, swallow my pride. I'd had people that had said, it's probably not a good idea to do that. And I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. So, you know, I had to, I, I had to, you know, like it, it was, it was a little bit of a blow and, but that's fine because we learn from each and every decision we make as a business owner. Um, we, there are wins and there are losses. And luckily, if I think about it, you know, it wasn't a huge loss because it was only a year lease Um and, you know, I repurposed that furniture into our house. If we had to, you know, have that lovely furniture at home, well, that's not, not the end of the world. And, and we gave it a go. And you know what? My Sydney clients appreciated it because they saw that, that I was doing it for them. And they completely, they were all just like our clients are in Melbourne. They're part of the journey with us. They know each and every decision we're making they're part of the decision-making as well. You know, I said to them, hey, if I was to find a clinic in Double Bay that you could come more regularly, would you be into that? They're like, yes, please, we'd love that. And, you know, and I'll have a laser. Yes, I'd love that too. So, you know, when it didn't work out, they were completely understanding that I'd given it a crack um, for their best interest. And, you know, we still go to Sydney. Whitney, Whitney Gunn, who you've met at, at the Beauty Squad, Gay, yes. she's, um, she was a dermal therapist that worked alongside me in Melbourne and um, during her final um, year of school and then she graduated and she was just absolutely killing it. And then unfortunately she was one of our COVID casualties because she went back to rural New South Wales over lockdown. She realised how much she missed that part of the world and particularly missed being close to her parents. So um, she stayed there and although it was a blow to our Mel her Melbourne clients she could actually be there for our Sydney clients so she's been going into Sydney when she can obviously every three weeks and seeing seeing our Sydney clients so look it's not it wasn't the end of the world um, but our Sydney clients get Whitney now hello that's the best news ever 
That's it. You know, Whitney is. She was absolutely a delight to meet, and you could see that she had been really trained well, trained well by you, James. So, you know, I loved spending my time with Whitney up here on yeah. the Gold Coast when she was here with the Beauty Squad. And what a great, oh, you know, great achievement she had as well, getting into the Beauty Squad. So, I just want to talk about dermal therapists. Um, for a, just a quick second, mm-hmm. so when you studied and when I studied, we were probably in that pioneer stages. It was very new. There weren't a lot of numbers in dermal therapists um, out there. So looking for one, and I understand what you said, not finding one in Sydney would have been very, very difficult because it was Melbourne-based. We now have three universities I think maybe even a fourth one's coming on board that are actually teaching this. So we're getting bigger in numbers. But, you know, it is, um, can I just get some insight from you about what you think of uh, the difference between dermal therapies and beauty therapists? Yeah. So, look, I, I do think it's a bit of a controversial discussion because I know some incredible um, incredibly um, knowledgeable and experienced beauty therapists that are working at a very high level, at the level of which, you know, many, many dermal therapists work. And I know some dermal therapists who I wouldn't let anywhere near any of my clients. So it is not that the worth of a therapist is not based on their level of educate, a level of education, because, you know, the, the dermal therapies degree, for example, it wasn't free, it wasn't cheap, you know, but it was a decision that I made because I decided that I wanted to be as um, educated as I possibly can. When I decided to migrate from music to skin, I was like, I'm going to be the best possible version of myself because if a client's going to come to me, I need to, I, I don't think I could possibly ask them to do something or sell them something if I know that there's someone up the road doing a better job than me. So I was very much on a very clear path towards dermal therapy, the dermal therapies degree. It was so intense, you know, it's, it's not for everybody. Like it, 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 it was so confronting. It pushed me well and truly beyond anything that I had ever done throughout my 13 years at, at school. But I, I, and I, and I, there was moments in the beginning where I was like, I, this is not for me, but I'm so glad that I did it because it didn't just make me a better, better therapist. It made me, um, uh, what else did it make me? It made me um, more intelligent. It made me, it, it, it allowed me to communicate better either through writing or, or, through, or through speaking. You know, so much of the writing that I do for our website and I do for our social media and all of that, like I can construct paragraphs and sentences better than I ever could before. Um, and it, you know, just kind of, probably not as much as beauty beauty school did. I mean, my year at Ellie Lucas, that was the hardest year of my life because it was it was physically hard. The amount of work that you needed to to push out to to tick those the competencies, that was incredible, but it was the dermal therapies degree that I think really made me the person that I am today because you know as I like to think at the age I'm 40 in 2 years, you know, I want to think of myself now as an intelligent, you know, mature person and I think that it's through that degree that it that helped foster that in me and I think that that is something that I look for now in in other other therapists too 
I totally agree with you with, um, you know, beauty therapy and dermal therapists. Like I, you know, I know some amazing beauty therapists that, you know, like um, can teach me things, you know, with, with their history in the industry and their experiences that they've had. And, you know, I totally agree with you uh, with dermal therapists, like, you know, that there's still another level that you think that they should be at and some of them just don't get there for whatever reasons. Mm. But, you know, I think for me, when we think about the difference is that um, it's more critical thinking that we have as a dermal therapist or a dermal clinician. And it gives us the ability, I think, to, to be able to put more combinations of treatments together in a much better way because we're trained to do that or taught to do that. Yeah, and look, it, our industry is so unregulated, particularly in Victoria uh, amongst other states. So, you know, there's, there's, I'd love to say that as a dermal therapist, you have greater access to certain procedures and, you know, and abilities to do things that you couldn't do elsewhere. That's not the case. But I think you make a very good point that um, we, we, start to look at the skin from a more of a three-dimensional perspective, not only within the layers of the skin, but also within how that skin is interacting within the world around us and what's going on actually within the system, other, other systems and processes in the body. But that said, like, you know, for me, I remember it was my first day, day at ESOP working as a facial therapist and the client was like, what's this on my face? And I had no idea, you know, it was at that moment that I decided to go and study dermal therapies. You know, it wasn't, it, 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 there was no other option for me. Whereas I do think time in the treatment room, you can never underestimate what that can, if, if you're, if you're interested and, and curious and um, motivated each and every time you see a client, you learn something new. And that's whether you're a beauty therapist or a dermal therapist. You take every skin as an opportunity to do better and to learn. So true. I, I start every day with um, thinking this is going to be a new lesson for me today. Mm. I'm going to learn something. And I think that's, and I embrace that. I embrace that further education um, from seeing things on the skin and having to find out what it is because we still don't have all the answers we never will you know we and I think that's the beauty of being at a level where you know that you can't do everything by yourself and you have a collective group of people around you that you can actually maybe call on if you need to to get some further advice on that. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, I, I talk about, you know, the, the sign of a good dermal therapist is a dermal therapist who knows what they can and what they can't do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, definitely staying within your wheelhouse and not over-promising to clients things that you know that you'll never be able to do, you know, work out and explain to a client where you as a dermal therapist or a beauty therapist can assist. Is that within the, is that related to what their concerns are? Fabulous. You two are hopefully going to be a good pair, but if it's not, let them know where to go because they're coming to you for advice and not just about what you can assist with, but their clients are often coming to say, Hey, help me. And, you know, if you, if you can direct them to the most direct course of action, they're going to love you. And it might, might be that you're not going to make any money from them or that you're not going to see them again, but you've, you've done the right thing here. And what you've also done is you've then made space for people that really do need your help. Absolutely. Love that. Can I just ask you, um, when you take on a new therapist, yes. what, what is your process? What educational processes do you put them through? 
God, we talked about this the other day, Gay, and I was mortified <laughs> because I, I disclosed to you that I that I can make people cry during the training process. <laughs> and look, that's not untrue, but I guess um, I've thought about that question since we spoke about this the other day. And what what happens at James Vivian when you come on board is, you know, you interview someone and you work out that, you know, they've either got enough experience or they may be lacking a bit of experience, but they're very, very eager. And of course, are they the right cultural fit? Okay. And you say to them, look, we're going to go through the training process. We're going to teach you how to do everything. And it's sink or swim. You know, if, if you, if, if you're ready to go, you're, you're on board. But if we have to keep telling you the same thing over and over again, I, that's something I cannot stand. You know, we, we really should only be having to tell someone something once or twice. That's what I reckon, Gay. And, of course, that there are exceptions to those rules. But, you know, at James Vivian, we're a busy clinic. So when, when it's time to bring someone on, there isn't a huge long onboarding process. They're just, they unfortunately just can't be. It's not the James Vivian School for Aspiring Dermal Therapist. You know, we have a clientele that come to us because we are already working at a really high level and I can't have one person in a room giving 10 out of 10 and someone just finding their feet. So we give people every opportunity when they, when they, uh, you know, are training to um, join, sorry, to join us. But um, we, we realize pretty quickly whether or not they're going to make, they're going to um, be successful. So that's sort of the process. Um, but I tell you, it's not, um, it's not for the faint hearted, but it's also, it's, it's not, um, it's not, it's not brief, you know, it's very, very in depth. And it um, used to be delivered by myself, which, as I said to you the other day, Gay, I'm not the most patient of people. I'm not a trainer. It's why I, I, I didn't go into education. I am a dermal therapist. I am um, a business owner. But um, what is so fantastic now is that I have a dermal therapist, Kiati, who works for me, and she comes from a background of training and education. She's everything that I'm not. So she completes that training process and it is a much better, um, much better process for everybody. Yeah, James, I love what you just said. Like we really do, um, we can't be everything to everybody. And I love the fact that you actually understand what you're amazing at and then you have other people that are amazing at doing certain things that you bring those people on. Do you know, I actually know some people that work for you and they absolutely admire you. They love you. You don't make them cry. <laughs> <laughs> they absolutely have the, the bestest, bestest things to say about you. So um, as an employer, I think you're right up there with the best of them. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I mean, I try, you know, my, my, my role, um, my day-to-day -day role has shifted immensely over the last 18 months. You know, 18 months ago, I was in a treatment room four days a week with, with clients. I had someone at the front of house and I had a few other therapists who were all working, um, who were sharing a room five days a week. And then lockdown happened first lockdown happened we and I took that as an opportunity I could see we were growing out of our space in Paran I took it as an opportunity to move to a bigger premises and 
we were open about four or five days before that second lockdown. And with me in a treatment room in this bigger space with more clients, we had accumulated more clients over that first lockdown. It was it quickly became apparent that A, I needed to employ more people and B, I had to get out of the treatment room if this place was going to succeed. So my my reason for getting out of bed now is not only really just about our clients, it's about our team as well. So you saying that is lovely and um, I work really, you know, it doesn't happen by accident, Gay, I don't think. I think, you know, supporting your staff, being there for your staff, giving your staff everything that they possibly need to be their best versions of themselves is, is my, you know, my number one now and I really enjoy it. It's fun. That's fantastic. You know, I just want to talk about the um, lockdowns. Like Melbourne has been dubbed the longest lockdown city in the world. Can you believe that? So, <laughs> so tragic. So tell me, like you said that you had to change how you were doing things and you got out of the treatment room. You know, what have you done through that to actually keep your business going and to keep your staff motivated? I feel really lucky to, when I talk about lockdown and COVID, I feel really lucky to to for my story to be a positive one. And I feel, um, I feel like I know that it, not everyone's has been positive. So I do feel, um, I can't think of what the word I'm trying to say. I feel a little guilty when I say that, but um, I think there's been two reasons why um, our business has flourished over this period. I think it's one because I had been around for 10 years already. And I think that, you know, we had a, um, we had established a clientele, we had established a little bit of a name for ourselves, we had a small social media presence. And we had a business that had always relied on the power of referral to grow. So we, when we first went into lockdown, our clients were very supportive and, um, you know, continued to purchase their skincare and continue to spread the word to their other friends that we were offering online consults and that we were open for click and collect. So that was, I think, very important. And I, and I, and I do think about those businesses that maybe had opened six months ago or had opened a year ago. Um, I'm not saying, I, I'm not saying that they haven't done well either, but I, I was just have been so grateful the whole time that we've, that we've been established because I don't know how it would go if we weren't. So that's the first thing. And the second thing was that, you know, you always hear people talk about oh, social media, it's very, very powerful. And yeah, you know, I just sort of roll my eyes and be like, well, I haven't experienced that. But at the same time, I put no energy into it. So what happened was I had nothing to do all day. So I went online and um, it was very it was apparent very, very quickly that this was going to be the way to, to the new way to do business. Because, you know, when you're in a treatment room with one person, we do 90 minute appointments, one person, every 90 minutes, you get to talk to that one person and educate them. And, you know, that, that, um, and, uh, and that's all that happens in that 90 minutes. One, it's one-on-one, -on -one. whereas you can go online. And I was saying the exact same things that I would be saying to a client, but I would might be saying it to 10 people that watched or 15 or 20 and, you know, the numbers grow. And then from there you get a little DM saying, hey, that's me. You know, you're talking about, you know, perioral dermatitis. That's me. Um, should I get that product you spoke about? And I'm like, yep, sounds like you should get that. Boom, a sale. And then you might get two or three of those. And all of a sudden you've connected with a whole, with a much larger, larger audience than you would 
have um, if you were doing one-on-one treatments. And I was saying this to Marie the other day as well, is that there's no denying that people on social media are uh, starving for information. People on social media, and there's often a connection between them and their skin. People are looking for someone to believe, someone to hear, someone to tell them what to do. So I don't think I was, I was, I, w- I wasn't on social media talking about a novel concept. I was on there talking about something that lots of people are thirsty for information on. So they were connecting with me because, you know, they were saying, you know, I just love it how you just like tell it like it is. And I'm like, well, that's what I do on a daily basis anyway. Um, but once again, you know, coming back to what we said in the beginning, you know, making sure that I'm, I'm, curating this information in in a way that I would like to hear it I'm not just like spitting out a whole lot of science jargon and all of that that's not my shtick that's not how how I've ever spoken I thought I know I think that's amazing I think that's being real and I think that's what people want is um you know real information from people that really genuinely care I think you know so many times in this industry that people are sold to without um, really needing what they're being sold as well too, if that makes sense. Mm. I think I think it actually creates an amazing um, connection between you and the person. Mm. That's one of the things I've admired about you for some time and such a long time. You know, you mentioned social media. Mm. You know, your social media platforms are incredible. So do you do all of that yourself? Um. I don't. So I will, I will obviously create the content, but I have, um, you know, it's like we said in the beginning, I'm not a social media expert. I'm not, I don't really have that Gen Y tone of voice. So I have um, a friend of ours, Brittany, who um, has her own business. So, you know, I'm all uh, people are ever asking me who does your social media. I'm pointing them in the direction of Brittany and she does that for me. And she very, very, not only quickly did she really get the James Vivian tone of voice, but she's actually helped create the James Vivian tone of voice as well, which is, as you said, you know, it's that very sort of real, um, no bullshit, um, easy to comprehend um, style of writing that um, people seem to responding to respond really well to. And she also has a fabulous sense of humour. And that for me is something that was really important. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I love to laugh. I love to make people laugh. And so that's been a really important aspect of our social media strategy as well, that it's not just all about skin because, God, this industry can be boring. It can, be, <laughs> it can be really, really stuck up and boring. So I try to bring, you know, the colour and the, and the creativity, like we said in the beginning, to everything we sort of do. And, and I'm really proud of what we've created on social media because we have to remember that it's, it is an extension of our business. It's like a client opening one of our doors in our clinic and seeing that it's beautifully appointed. It, we want that with our social media when they come to the page. Every business owner wants that with their website as well. So it's an extension of that and something that we, you know, we now take really, really seriously. Absolutely. It's like being the Gucci or the Louis Vuitton of the industry. That's what it is. And I think that's really important, actually making a statement and making sure that that statement flows all the way through everything that you do. Mm. And it certainly does. Just um, one other question, like we talked earlier on about consultations being a performance. Every single consultation you do is a performance. People often ask me about consultations because it's one of the things that I love 
doing as well. And they say, how do you do your consultation? You know, to me, when I answer that question, there's no one way. There's mm. so many ways that you do a consultation and it's completely different every time. Mm. Do you want to talk about your experiences with doing those consultations? Yeah, look, I, I, I do completely agree with you. No two consultations are ever the same. But I, I still do follow a formula with, with our consultations. And, and when I say formula, why I say that is because, as I say to the team, there are questions that are non-negotiable that you must ask your clients and they can they can happen anywhere in the, tr- the consultation and just when you think a consultation is going to go one way it goes a completely different direction but what these questions become are little goal uh, signposts to ensure that you're always on the right track because if we don't know the answers to these questions we can't possibly continue with a skin analysis and there's no possible way that we could ever make them a treatment plan and a home care plan that is not only going to be suited to their skin and their concerns, but I say attached to every skin is a person with needs and wants. You actually have to delve deeper into what sort of client this person wants. What's their budget? What are their commitment levels? Do they want downtime? Do they want discomfort? So many people come to us um, at JV and it's not the first time they've had a chat with a dermal therapist. They've gone to this place, they've gone to that place and they've gone to that place. So the first thing I want to know is why are they sitting here today? What didn't go right at that other clinic? What didn't you like about that space? And, and you know, there's a reason why they're here. I say that to, to <clears throat> the staff. There's a reason why they're sitting with, with you today. It's not because they don't want to be there. They want something from you that they either haven't got elsewhere, but also Often you're talking to someone and they have never, ever spoken to a dermal therapist or a beauty therapist or a skincare professional before. Now, that's also something that you have to take really seriously as well, because they can be freaked out. They can be really, really nervous. They can be really empowered, but quite often they don't necessarily know. So you are going to be the first person that they've ever spoken to. And you treat everyone like that. You want everyone to have a wonderful experience, but you need to, once again, look, I say to the girl, not the girl, well, they are all girls at the moment. I say, all that matters is what the client wants you to help them with. You know, it's their concerns. And that is our guiding light throughout their whole journey with us. I totally agree with that. Now, you've won some great awards. Can you tell me how that has had, what impact that has had on both yourself and maybe your team as well? I love being part of the ABIAs. Um, I love supporting them like they support our industry. And I think it's it's actually a very personal thing for me, these awards. Um, I, um, you know, the first award that I entered and um, subsequently won was the Customer Care Award at the inaugural ABIAs. And that was for the Travelling Peelsman. And it just... I had to apply because the the traveling peelsman was all about customer service. Like, yes, I happened to 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 love and offer chemical peels, but it was all about customer service. I was dr- schlepping to people's homes, carrying a treatment bed upstairs, to, driving out to if a client wanted a cleanser, I drive to Keys Bar to AST. I pick up the cleanser, I drive back to them in Carlton. You know, like it was it was all about the client. So when I thought, oh, there's an opportunity to um, have my customer service kind of checked, I was like, I'll enter it. And that's what I've continued to do with the ABIAs, you know, when there's a war, when there's an award up and I thought, think to myself, you know what, I want to see how my, I want to see how my customer care is going. I want to see how my sustainability is um, 
uh, you know, checking checking up against other other businesses. Um, I want to see, you know, we we won the the salon of the year across the country last year, you know. So that was me being like, look, let's see how how JV's going in in, in comparison to other businesses. And w- what's great is you get feedback. They say to you, that's great, you know maybe you could look at this a little bit more. So, you know, it's very hard to get that kind of feedback from anyone else beyond like your staff and your clients. It's lovely to have it, I think, checked against um, other businesses from an industry perspective, but I'd probably other people disagree with that, but I quite like it because it's only in an effort to be better. Absolutely. I totally agree with you um, because I think when you enter awards, there's so much that goes into it that you actually have to do a checklist of your, of your own business. What am I doing right? Am I actually doing that? You know, and I think it's a, it's actually getting us like, looking at our business in a different way and um, filling out that application can be quite daunting for some people and a, a huge learning curve as well. When we were doing the... Um... We were doing the clinic of the year maybe like four years ago. I was filling it out, um, being like, yeah, great, great, great. And then it got to the question of what's your green policy? And I was like scratching my head going, what the hell is a green policy? So I actually put that uh, that you know, submission aside. Cause I was like, we can't enter, we can't enter this. We have barely a green policy. And um, then I went and researched, you know, all the, all how our industry can um, contribute better from a sustainability perspective. And over the next 12 months, I just like, as, as I do, I get just obsessed with things, um, became obsessed with sustainability. And then when that next year rolled around, I entered the sustainability award and we won that because we just kind of, we had done the biggest 180 and it was, it was an amazing, it was amazing to see. And if it hadn't have been for the ABAs, I still wouldn't know what a green policy was. It's amazing, isn't it? It's great. So can I just ask you, what keeps you motivated? I think I love helping people, as I said before. And so James Vivian is really in a growth phase at the moment. And, you know, despite us having been locked down for such a long time, we are still, our clientele are growing all the time. And so I'm very, very keen to see where this is going because, you know, we've, we've, I've always said that my business has grown really, really organically. You know, I had one client, then two, then three, and then you add a, you add one staff member on prematurely, but to, you know, ideally be there for when you need um, a second one to care for the clients that you hope will come. But it's really moving at a very, very fast rate at the moment. So I'm... Uh, I am often overwhelmed, but I believe it's all part of the process. And I'm learn, as you said, I'm learning every day this this sort of new role that I have of being of of directing the business in the best possible way I can, and ensuring that um, you know it's during its growth that we are still it still feels like I'm in the treatment room with a client one on one. You know, I don't want that level of customer service and that you know that background of, of education to um, be compromised at all. And I have a team of dermal therapists that share that um, desire with me. You know, they are pure professionals, very, very passionate. And it's quite incredible. I was talking to Rachel Riley yesterday, who you know, Gay, you know, and I said, the way she talks about the business, I said, oh, it's like you own the business, Rachel. You know, it's a beautiful thing. They're so committed and um, passionate about 
the success, particularly over this lockdown period, you know, they've been incredibly supportive. Um, it goes both ways, of course, but um, it's a beautiful thing to have a team of people around you that share your vision and, you know, that, and that becomes even more important. That's so not, and that becomes an important aspect too. You know, when it's a team of two people, culture is something that you hear about, but you're like, Oh, you know, I get on well with this person and they're a good therapist, but now there's nine of us. So I have to ensure that we are, um, you know, we, we are, we're not best friends and I do shy away from that term, you know, being a family because um, I read on the Wall Street Journal a little while ago that family often comes with um, obligations and those sorts of things. So we're not a family, but we are a team of, of dermal therapists and, and other staff that really admire and care for one another. Um, and we want, we're all moving in the same direction. And I think that that's kind of, that's actually what I say about me and my husband. I say we are two people heading in the same direction that want the same things. And as long as we're doing that, we're good. <laughs> so I think it's also, in, I look for that in, in, in my colleagues as well. Fantastic. Can I just ask you one last question? Once you get back into the clinic and you're opening, open again, are you going to go back into the treatment room full time? Oh God, no, well, I, I couldn't gay. That's, and that's the thing, you know, if, if uh, I've never worked harder than I've worked now um, and every minute counts, it's quite incredible. So if I'm in a treatment room for 90 minutes, I lose 90 minutes of, the, of time that the business actually needs f- for me, the needs of me to have the business functioning at the level it needs to. So um, people, my, my clients say to me all the time, do you miss being in the treatment room? And I miss spending time with them. I absolutely do. But what I get to do now, my day is spent helping more people at the one time have a treatment. So we've got four treatment rooms going at the one time. So um, that is, it would be selfish of me to go back in the treatment room, really, wouldn't it? Because I want to help as many people with their skin as possible. So Beautiful. No, it ain't. Look, it, 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 it would only happen if it had to. And so who knows what's going to happen down the track, but for the minute, um, no. Nah. Uh, we're very grateful, very lucky that we have James Vivian and um, I can only look and see great things happening in the future with what you're you're doing. And you might think that you're just doing it for your own clinic, but what you put out there for the industry is incredible. People are watching and learning from you all the time. Thank you so much. And I guess just on that too, Gay, you know, I'm, on, I'm where I am because of all the people that have helped me you know, and it, I always love to pay it back as well. So just like you, Guy, I know you mentor a lot of people and you're so highly respected. Um, you know, we love helping anyone that is on their journey as a dermal therapist or, or, or other. So, you know, that's, that's also something that I love doing at the moment. So, you know, just like you, Gay, if anyone needs us, reach out. We're always yeah. here. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you for your time today. I've enjoyed our chat. I think you're amazing. And I look forward to the next chapter. Thank you so much. Thanks, James. Thanks, Gay. Bye.